You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. We like stuff, unless it's shin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> you know what? We're leaving Today. this in. This is this is the official intro to the podcast. Yeah. No, whatever I had in mind for the intro is just completely gone. That that's it. Welcome everybody. Uh, today we're talking about a very serious subject: uh, parental trauma. That's right. We're doing Tokusatsu Ga Ga Ga. A series that, if this were done in the West, it would have to be darker and more serious and involve stuff like childhood abuse and alcoholism and stuff. But since this is Japan, worse. oh yeah, defo. But Either since would go this too is far or not far enough. Because this is a Japanese thing. This is this the most wholesome thing I have ever seen. It's great. I love it. Now, um, if you guys don't have too much time to spare today, you can just stop listening to the podcast there. That's all we're going to be saying from now on. Obviously, don't do that. Please listen to the whole two hours we're going to be recording this. This is just going to be a circle of us saying, yeah, it's wholesome. Oh, God, it's, yes, it's so wholesome. Yes. Remember the most wholesome bit? Yes, that was the wholesome best. Wholesome Chungus 100. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, no, it's it, it's dead good. Um, it's really sweet. Um, before we get into full-on um, incoherent squee... Wait, do people still squee these days? Is that a kawaii thing to say? I think we're showing our age. Desu. We, we know what sort of time we awakened into the internet. Desu, desu. Oh, dear. If I say it often enough, I'll turn Japanese. I haven't said that joke in years. <laughs> uh... Uh, so yeah, no, Tokusatsu Ga 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 came out in 2019, and we're only just talking about it now, because, you know, we were on a massive hiatus for ages, and then it took me this long to get, you know, think of a good excuse to get Rex to watch it. My excuse is I've been a sad boy for the last couple of years. Well, yeah, same here. Same here. We've both been a pair of very, very sad boys, and we've only just gotten around to it. Well, actually, I watched it when it came out. What the hell are you talking about, my man? Fine, I've been the saddest boy. I claim my yeah, crown. No, man, let's not get too crazy. I was pretty sad too. Hmm. We're going to have to have a sad off after this podcast to re-establish our hierarchy here, so don't worry about that. Things might be a diff- little different next week, you know, once I've established myself as the saddest of boys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it uh, came out in 2019. Uh, it's based on a manga of the same name, uh, which is only translated up until volume two. And then whoever was translating it just stopped, so I can't go any further than that. Uh, the, the basic kind of inception of the manga was that the, the author wanted to write an actual toku manga about you know proper toku heroes doing proper toku things. And then their editor basically told them no, because it's too niche and there isn't a big enough audience. And while they were trying to argue that that wasn't the case, they started getting more interested in fans of tokusatsu than the manga than a manga about tokusatsu itself. And so that's how the kind of main idea came and, you know, a lot of it was fueled from their personal um, experiences. Uh, the author is named Niwa Tanba and no one can ever find out anything about them. I don't, I haven't checked out whether or not those names are unisex or, you know, gendered either way. So I've got no idea what pronouns to use. So I'm being very progressive today and using neutral ones. Uh, little, so we're, we're going to start off with some neat little tidbits around the series before turning... Yeah, you, you know what, I'm going to interrupt. I was expecting a lot more background from yourself. What background is there? To... I can't talk I was about expecting... anything this author's yeah. done. Especially for a manga adaptation. They are. I was expecting at least, you know, um, some information about um, 
the person who made it and their personal life, maybe their dog's I name. Wish. But no, this is um, this is a new frontier for us, which is fine it's because all I can find out about them. Yeah, and um, yeah. character designs for a manga about you know something about cows in the title. That's all else I can find out about them. Didn't seem particularly relevant, but there you go. You know what you should do? You should learn Japanese. You should go into that zone of things. You should, you know, disregard everything. Just put it into lo- Oh dear, I nudged the microphone. You should put it all into learning that language and just do it. Stop relying on Google. You maybe should pay should, the yes. Duolingo birds some more You're absolutely right, attention. Yes. I have no argument against any of this. You are absolutely right. I should do that. So there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but to, to compensate for that, um, I've got a bunch of little little things jotted down. Uh, so it was shot in Nagoya, despite taking place in Tokyo. Surprising no one. I'd imagine shooting in Tokyo is quite pricey. Uh, Toei helped out with the special effects. Really? In the, yep. I'm genuinely uh, also surprised. Used, wow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the suits were made by the same company that does Sentai suits as well. Wow. Hence why they look so goddamn good. Hmm. Uh, they even film in the proper Toei quarry as well, so it all looks nice and authentic. Uh, the theme song was done by a band called Golden Bomber, that you might remember from the theme song for Kamen Rider Wizard. Wow! Yeah, one thing I noticed about it is the lead singer has just these weird little teeth. Weird. <laughs> I, I can't... It's not like I pay too much attention to people's teeth. I'm not a weirdo. I'm not a dentist or anything weird like that. But, like, you know when someone's got weird teeth, you notice. And you can't help but notice. Well, It's got weird teeth. Y- you know our hometown, dude. Define weird teeth. Hey, your your hometown, mine's different. I I moved here. I wasn't born in this cesspit like you were. <laughs> I'm genetically pure. Wait, hang on. Hmm, maybe I should say that. <laughs> no. Pure northern strain. <laughs> no Midlander filth belong here. No, our podcast was about eugenics, but sod it. <laughs> oh, no. I don't mean to say these horrible things. They just come out. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> the assistant director was Fumi Arakawa, who we previously mentioned for her work on Dogengers. She's also the first female Sentai director. She got her debut in one of the Tokuja movies, I think. Ah, oh, it's cool to see her working on these... So, would you call them meta works? Uh, well, Tokusatsu Gaga Gaga is pre-meta. I don't think Dogenjis is too meta, though, you know? Hmm, I oh, yeah, true. It's not It's not really a parody of um, Tokusatsu, is it? No, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek in places, but mm. it's not... And it, thinks, it plays things pretty straight, it also features some cameos from yeah people who've done bigger things. I, I'm not going to get into the cast, yeah the the main cast or anything like that because I don't watch J dramas or anything like that. So I've got no idea if these people are known or yeah what dramas they've been in, yeah whether or not they've been big or not. So I've got that's way out of my wheelhouse. So I'm not going to even touch that. Um, some of the cameo, well, that cameo, uh, Jiro ok- Okatomo. Damn it, damn it. I sound like a YouTuber doing a, a dumb joke where they keep mispronouncing a Japanese name and then give up. Give me a sec. Jiro Okamoto. There we go. Uh, he was one of the suit actors in it. He played Emma Jason and General Genka. He also plays a teacher towards the end. Um, and he's got a massive, massive kind of acting list of different Toku characters he's been. So just a quick kind of 
just a quick highlight reel. He was the Dragon Ranger in Dew Ranger. He played Time Fire. He also played Kamen Riders Black, Black RX, and Shin, among loads and loads and loads of others. That's a very respectable portfolio. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's barely any of what he's been in. He's been in way, way more than that. The narrator is Kenichi Suzumura, who, uh, is play- who played Anti in Gridman. Another thing we did an episode on, so go check that out if you'd like to. You know, just stop this episode, go watch a different episode, and then resume this one. Oh, That's a yeah. good use of your time. Wow. He also plays Daisuke Shima in the Space Battleship Yamato remake. Ooh. Which remake? There's mm, been like eight uh, of the things. Uh, the the 2012? The, the most recent one, which is pretty alright. It's, it's good fun. It kind of condenses the original story and makes it a bit more viewable, you know, because 70s anime was very formulaic, unfortunately. Uh, and Hiroshi Miyauchi uh, has a cameo right in the last episode, and if you don't know his name, you know, straight away, you'll definitely know who he played. He played Kamarada V3, Our Ranger, Big One, Zubat, uh, Shunsuke Masaki in Winspector, Soul Brain, and Draft, and Naoyuki Miura in O-Ranger. Ooh, now remind me, which character did he play in this series? Oh, he was the um, he was a store clerk in um. Just oh, right, the right old man at the VHS store. Yeah, the old man. No, 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 not the old man at the VHS store. Right at the very end, when um, when Nakamura's buying uh, TV kids. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm? I get you now. That's a nice cameo. Yeah, it's really nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, also, the main viewers were men aged 35 to 49, so uh, we're in a peripheral demographic. So I don't know how to feel about it. Is that something we should be proud of? Well, also keep in mind that we're in a completely different cultural group. Oh, true. So for that. everything that we Damn we've... it, I forgot I wasn't Actually, Japanese. Actually, for about, <laughs> for about 90% of the things that we've discussed on this podcast, we aren't the main demographic. Uh, I won a few awards. I've got no idea... Uh, the the main one it seems to have won was the March 2019 Monthly Galaxy Award in the TV category. This is all information I've got off of the Japanese Wikipedia, so I've got no idea how much weight that holds. But it's the thing it won. It's one more Galaxy Award than I have. So yeah, must... true. How many? How yeah. many do you have, listeners? I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. Get on that particular TV show's level, and that's it for my uh, little little background trivia power hour. And yet the uh, author's identity is still unknown. They're mysterious, Look, will... but they've made something incredibly meaningful. If it'll, tr- if it'll make you feel better, I will track them down. I will hunt them for sport and bring them back to you like some kind of feral cat. Bring me their head! <laughs> I really want the manga to be translated. I just want to say that flat out. I, this isn't a joke. This isn't the bit I'm doing. I genuinely really want to read all 20 volumes of this manga. If you can make that happen, if you're a fan's later, do it, for God's sake. End my suffering. I can't live like this in limbo anymore. They're not going to bring this thing over officially, so, you know, please, I want to. All right, fine. Bring me a translated copy of the manga, followed by their head. <laughs> if, I could, if I could read or speak Japanese at all, I'd do it myself. But I can't. So just assume it. Look at the doing. pictures and guess what it means. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Is that not how they did it with, um, is it ghost stories? <laughs> oh, they took that. a look at the animation and thought, 
Why do all head teachers look like lesbians? I know all. Ah! Whitehead and... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love that dub. It's so great. Uh, Monica I still Real. need to watch it in full. It's hilarious. Monica Rial plays the main girl in that, and now she's going on Twitter being very... Uh, what's the best way of putting it? Outspokenly unproblematic, shall we say. But she says so many horrible things in this dub. Like, it's a recurring joke to call her brother retarded. Oh, dear. Ah. <laughs> uh. That's back when I'd, uh, I just I'd I'd love to be part of those dubbing groups back in that time when they did mm. not give a monkeys <laughs> like that's pure chaos. Old English dubs, I went through a phase when I was in my teenage years of not liking them, um, and so I went through a very brief uh, subs not dubs phase. But now I've come, now I'm an adult, I've matured, I've come to appreciate them a lot more. Yeah, you know, things like the old Digimon dub. Digimon dub is really, really good in weird ways. Like, sure, they add in a bunch of, you know, puns and jokes that weren't in the original text, but they also don't change the characters' names. They shorten them a bit to make them easier for kids to pronounce in the West, but Tai is still Taichi, Izzy is still Izumi, Kari is still Hikari. It's just, we're getting way off topic here, but... Hey, Digimon I didn't know that. Right. That's really cool. Oh, yeah. And it still explicitly takes place in Japan when they go to the real world. They don't try and scrub out all Japanese text and you know, replace it with jelly-filled donuts. Eat your hamburgers. <laughs> See, no, with Phoenix Wright, it's different. That's part of the appeal of Phoenix Wright. <laughs> Eat your hamburgers, Apollo. Anyway, back to Tokusatsu Gaga Ga, that thing we're here to gush about. <coughs> oh, there goes Rex's lungs. Oh, it's okay. I'm just clearing my. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave that in. Most of the background of this is just me clearing my throat or coughing. I tend to delete this from most of the background. We. Yeah, I've got. I've got something up with me. I. I do not know. I've probably got a, a touch of the consumption. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, I'm the one who used to smoke, and I don't get any of this. I'm either coughing or I'm hiccuping. Hence the stuff my in the lungs intro. Lungs are made of iron. I was having a damn lungs. long hiccup session at the start of this recording. I just got anyway. all the recessive genes. Anyway, we anyway, in... main topic. Main topic. Um, so, Tokusatsu Gaga Ga is a really good show. It's about uh, Nakamura, who is a 24-year-old office lady who works in a mid-level trading company. I remember that specifically because that's what the narrator says every episode. Um, oh, yes. She is also a closeted um, toku geek and is afraid of how people will treat her once they know that she likes toku. I can't really relate to that because we don't have that kind of issue in the west what with us being dudes and no what about the most discriminated against people of all gamers <laughs> oh yes the only people but yeah i mean it i get the feeling it's a culture bound thing yes. especially in japan where there are a lot more socially conservative mm. so a few things that you'd have to give a, a bit of license just to see how they're interpreted in that side of the world and once you kind of take that into account, it becomes very enjoyable because you can then kind of understand, okay, they're desperately trying to hide something. That you shouldn't have to and... hide. Oh, yeah. Now, I've I've heard this is meant to be a pretty decent representation of this kind of thing. Uh, if you're an adult in Japan and you mention that you like Super Sentai or Kamen Rider, apparently you will get kind of treated a bit differently or like you're, I don't know, weird for it. So, I mean, that's that's just what I've heard. From hearsay, I would—I was about to say I hope so, because then the 
show is more accurate. But then that would also mean that people are living in actual, you know, real misery. So hmm, maybe I shouldn't hope for that. Big up, nerds. We believe in you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I've got an uncle from Japan. I could have him watch all seven episodes just for, you know, that confirmation. Quick pause of recording. I'm going to call him up. Uh, so, yeah, that's the basic premise. Uh, you got this office lady who likes these things and can't tell anyone about it. And then seven episodes happen and she makes friends and they all have a grand old time together. And then she confronts her childhood trauma. We're not going to go through every specific event in the plot. But, of course, spoilers ahead because we're going to talk about how it affects her character. And... Just generally, because it's it's all about character development, it's all about interpersonal relationships, mm. it's about getting over your hang-ups, it's about mental health. Frankly, it's even more about that than, say, Colossal. Yeah. It is the most relatable thing I have ever watched. Well, yeah, that's, that's not to say that I can't relate to any of this. I absolutely can. Um, it's just that I can't... I don't have the specific... Uh, experiences that are being portrayed to us but I can, because I have empathy as a normal human being, extrapolate from that and apply these things to my real life, which I wouldn't need to Oh yes. which I wouldn't think would be a special skill but you know, looking at some of the takes you see on Tumblr and Twitter, apparently empathy isn't a thing people are born with anymore Oh no, I sound old mm. oh, Damn kids any media literacy <laughs> Get off my lawn Oh, that really wrecked my lungs. Oh, oh, dear lordy. You know what? At some point, I'm just going to respond in this podcast. Like, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna Chris Pike it. I'm, I'm just going to respond with a beep or two beeps if I disagree with your opinion. I like Shin Kamen Rider. So if you do anything in the 90s... <laughs> beep, beep. Uh, 90s Dr. Satsu is really stylish and deserves to be recognized as such. Beep, <laughs> beep. <laughs> <laughs> We finally do a stage thing, and you're there normal, and I'm just there wheeled in, burned and deformed. <laughs> yeah, we finally, you know, the, the, we've got fans, we, we, they're clamoring for us to go to Paramorphicon or whatever, and you're just wheeled in in this wheelie bin. <laughs> <laughs> With an LED on the front. <laughs> anyway, before my lungs completely uh, consume themselves, let's continue. Uh, where was I? Um, hmm. Oh yeah, relatable. Yeah, this is incredibly relatable. Uh, and not in a story time YouTuber kind of way, in a... Uh, it's just... you. Anyone who is into this kind of thing can probably find something in this to relate to, if that makes sense. If, if you're the kind of person to like this stuff, you probably have some, you know, some experiences that are comparable or similar to the ones in these, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, this covers fandoms in general. When uh, Nakamura makes friends, they may not necessarily have the same specific interests. Mm. Like with uh, Katashiro, who um, is more a fan of idols. What a weirdo. And, um, yeah, and Mr... Oh, Mr. She calls him Mr. Yakuza because he looks, so he looks like a big and frightening. And he's more of an anime fan, but they all sort of band together because of their love of niche things and so they feel like they can talk about it openly with each other and i think it's really nice yeah and I so think really um, even though the these should make it so that they're all into tokusatsu that would be the obvious oh, thing yeah. to go for but it it shows that even if you don't have specific interests in common the fact that you have these kinds of interests means that you do have common ground to be friends with and the fact that they don't yeah. like all they talk about isn't 
their interests. You know, Nakamura doesn't just talk about um, Tokusatsu. They talk about other things. It's good. It's a really good... It, it, it's just a good sh- uh, example of friendship. One of the morals of the story is you should big up your geek friends. Mm. Do not tear them down for what they like. If they enjoy something, let them do it. If they are massive fans of Dungeons and Dragons, you let them talk about it on end. They will give you their stories happily. They just love to share it with someone. If you're into Super Sentai, you know, they'll do the same. They'll love to hear about it because you have that passion. And if you're into Kamen Rider Shin, you can go right in the trash where you belong. Already there, my man. <laughs> I know what I am. I'm okay with it. I've got terrible How taste. How dare you? But yes, that is actually the thing. Even if <laughs> even if you're trash, you should be okay with it. Yeah, no, there are loads and loads of really good morals and messages. Um, yeah, there's, another, there's, there's one that re- I really took to heart because I'm a lazy bastard. Um, it's that not having proper plans still counts as proper plans. Even if you're planning on going home to sleep or just watch recorded episodes or something, that still counts as a plan, even if you're not picking your kids up from school or something like that. It's still your valid free time. It's There are so many things you can take away from this show, and I love it. Yes, I think the context for that was um, asking co-workers how, you know, how they spend their free time if they ask you or something. No, that oh, no, no, how the... they a- no, no, how they ask you how you spend your free time. That's how it is. And you're like, oh, we just spend it sleeping. And they just drill for more. Hmm. But the important thing is your free time is your free time. You don't need to worry what other people think of you. Now, that's a very common thing throughout the entire show, being concerned about how people will treat you. Um, that's how, um, Katashiro, um, you know, became such a cynical lady, um, because she was, uh, was treated differently by her peers after they realized she was a fan of an idol group. And she, they weren't even actively bullying her or anything like that, but they were just, Mm. there was, I mean, okay, it wasn't great. They kept mentioning it constantly. But that was all they were talking about. It's like, oh, you like these younger men, surely you have high standards. Yeah, they were very clearly treating her differently Mm. afterwards. The prejudices that other people have may not be intentional, but the way that they view you is drastically changed. Yes. Now, fortunately, I don't have to worry about that in my job because I work with a bunch of uni students and they're all into weird stuff too. So this isn't a particular part of it that I have to relate to, thankfully. Um, Anywhere I've worked, um, I've always had people around me that have been okay with the kind of weird stuff I'm into and they're either into similar stuff or weirder stuff. So that's not a particular thing I've had to worry about because I've not worked in very professional environments. Service industry, yay. To be honest, I could do the same in my position. Um, you know what? You know what, sod it. I'll, I'll go into work one day dressed in juggalo makeup. <laughs> I'll show up during a team meeting. They will not give a monkeys as long as I do my job. Whoop, whoop. Ladies and gentlemen, going to down a bottle of Fago. Yeah. I'd just like to get this out of there that neither of us are actual juggalos. Please don't judge us or reporters at all, please. To be honest, I do like a bit of Insane Clown Posse. I've heard a bit of their music. It's quite good. It's it's entertaining. I've heard, like, two songs, and one of them was that meme song. My man, have you ever heard the... Um, there's a proper law behind each of the albums. Oh, my God. Okay, so for... I apologize to any juggalos listening if I've got any details wrong. Uh, but the main theme for each album is um, each one represents what's called a Joker's card. So some sort of divine entity. So for one, it represents, say, a pair of twins who juggle the fates of um, individuals between them based on their sins. 
or one is the form of a personified explosion that harms those who do evil, or various other things. No, I don't actually have a problem with juggalos. I just wanted to make that clear. I was joking. Please don't. Mm. Please don't think it it could have been a cult person. in another in another life. It's um, interesting the amount of detail that goes into it. There's even I think they've even released a collectible card game based on it. Holy hell! They've got like Magic the Gathering for juggalos. But look, if they like it, they like it, you know? I mean, I personally don't like card games at all. I, I really don't like card games. I'm mm. too dumb to keep all the things in my head. Nah, you never know. Maybe these um, juggalo games are a little better smelling than magic tournaments. Yeah, they can't be worse. I want the juggalo equivalent, that guy that posed next to people's um, butts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think we're going on much of a tangent. We are definitely showing our power level, which is something that the series says we must not do. We must not this make whole, this known this to the world. Podcast is showing our power level. For the love of God, don't call our employers. And it, yeah, we're going to get cancelled. Yeah, yeah. By the way, you're hiring a total nerd. Thankfully, we don't live in Japan, so you know we're safe. <laughs> God, no, no. It's not even that bad in Japan. Imagine if your boss just storms in and says, I heard you're a total dweeb. Get out of here. <laughs> you lamer. <laughs> I don't, what's lame is that that's from Kingdom Hearts. So, you know, there's a bit in Kingdom Hearts 2 and like there's one character at the beginning called together as a bunch of lamers. I don't play Kingdom Man. Hearts. I'm not that lame. But I know it, and I keep quoting it, even though I don't like the games. That's just as bad. Get in the ocean. Okay. Are you telling me to get in the ocean because that's where are loads of trash is? Yes, and car batteries. <laughs> right. Uh, Tokusatsu ga ga ga. Um, <clears throat> God, where were we? It's like the more we like something, the more off topic we get. Okay, yeah, this is the problem. I don't really want to talk too much about the specific plot details because I would love you to watch the thing. Like you, the audience, you listening, Dave. If your name's Dave, your mind is blown right now. But um, it's a, it's such a lovely series, and it's so original. Mm. It feels like it. Well, not original. What's the term? It genuine. Yeah. It feels like it replicates human emotions in a way that I haven't seen done before. When I watched the first episode, I mentioned to you, Ranger that my first thoughts were, it's a bit like Peep Show in how down-to-earth it is, because you see things from the character's perspective, although in Peep Show it's from a first-person perspective, although you hear their internal monologue, and the jokes come from awkward scenarios that happen, and they have to play along and usually come across with um, more and more ridiculous excuses, etc. It has that vibe... But it has zero cynicism. It is not dark in the slightest. It has, you know, proper adult tribulations and issues, especially when you're trying to get on with other adults. But it it just feels like it hasn't got anything dark in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, thankfully, it's not quite as dark as Peep Show. There isn't an episode where Yoshida has to eat a dead I was about to make that reference and pretend it's like <laughs> turkey or something. <laughs> On a boat. Four <laughs> <laughs> Nan Nakamura. Four? That's insane. <laughs> Should be all of our Peep Show jokes out of the way. <laughs> Oh dear. <clears throat> yeah, no, I get exactly what you mean. It's, while certain bits of it are exaggerated, like reactions are a bit more than people would have in real life, um, 
the actual events are pr pretty relatable and pretty down to earth and realistic, just glitzed up a little bit to make the whole viewing experience a bit more engaging, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Oh yeah, plus it involves a lot of um, what's the term like you know not so much dream sequence but imagination sequence where the events are portrayed, but it also has various Taku characters coming in and you know being there in the sidelines or things just overreacting just to see to simulate how it goes on in the protagonist's point of view. Like it's um, illustrating yeah. Nakamura's thought processes because mm. when she's confronted it with some situations, she'll imagine how her favorite Taku heroes would encourage her or how they would respond to the situation like in the first episode um she sees um uh, an old couple trying to find a seat on the on the <clears throat> oh i'm doing it now haha um, <laughs> your lungs are screwed trying too to, <laughs> trying to uh, not that screwed I, I gave up smoking my man i'm, I'm good I'm, I'm a healthy boy um, please send lungs to spandex pararama at gmail.com <laughs> uh, she, she imagines um Shishi Leo, um, the Red Ranger of Jushouan, the stand-in for Super Sentai in this show, um, kind of encouraging her not to give up and not to turn people away, just uh, you know, not to give up on people just because you're tired and worn out. You know, she'd always help people and stuff like that, and so she gets up and gives them a seat and stuff like that. And yeah, this is something that happens throughout the show. You know, she'll she'll imagine what like uh, in another episode where she's trying to defend um, Yoshida's. Uh, Toku fan nuss. She imagines the Blue Ranger Toraiga, um, yeah, how he'd kind of see the situation and work something out from there. It's 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 nice, and it kind of makes again it makes it more engaging to watch because then you get more you know superhero action, even if they're just encouraging the main characters. Oh yeah, it makes you feel like they're a genuine fan, and mm. this is it's. <sighs> This is the problem when you're kind of a fan of something. I mean, for any of you who are listening, if you're a fan of a very niche thing, whether it be a Japanese television show or even certain types of music, you're there thinking, how would this influence my life? What have I learned from this? What can I apply to it? And uh, it's, just, it's just good. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not the most uh, complex at conveying these feelings, but just damn. Think good. Make brain, make happy chemical. Whatever the hell you're a member of the fandom of, just, yeah, especially if it's niche and you can't really mention it to a normal person particularly well. Oh, yeah, just because um, people don't talk down to me because I like talking, that doesn't mean I get to talk about it too much. Really, the only people I get to talk to it about for long periods of time is, is you. Oh, yeah, that's true. Especially in the West, we do have the privilege of saying that it's not just the stories and everything. We do have an interest in the cinematography. Yes. Like, because of the amount of... of oh, yeah, the amount of effort put into the practical effects, the choreography of it. Like, we're, it's it's a very overall fandom kind of thing. And in some ways, I think people might respect that a little bit more over here than they would over there. You know, if you grew Definitely. up with Super Sentai and Kamen Rider, it would be pretty much just like saying, oh, I like... Um, what's well, a good stand-in over here? That's Power Rangers, I suppose. I think the more foreign a thing is that a person's into, the more you kind of assume that there is a deeper reason for them liking it, you know? Oh, yeah. Geeks oh, yes, have I been like, massively like tolerated. Spanish erotica. Oh, wow, that sounds uh, really <laughs> cutting edge and avant-garde. No, it's just degeneracy, really. Um, yeah, look, in the 21st century, things are a lot more accepted geek-wise. I mean, if there's a Funko pop of it, people will just roll their eyes and think, oh, yeah, it's one of those people. Oh, yeah, geek chic is... It, both a blessing and a curse. It's okay to like these things now, but 
Hmm. Maybe That's I'm why we're sticking with the Japanese stuff. As soon as there's a Funko Pop of it, we'll um, we'll have to jump ship. We'll be like, no, we got to stay niche. Yep. We need to stay That's obscure. That's why I like Ultraman. They made a pop vinyl out of him. He's, he's terrible now. He's tainted. I have to find something more obscure. I know, and I'm getting you ah, for your finally. birthday. I don't, you dare. You, you dare. Drive you into a pit of despair. Behold, a derpy-looking Ultraman pop. Yeah. If Yeah, no, Tokusatsu is good. I like it. If, you know, a whole podcast wasn't enough proof for it. Um... Sorry, I just, it's, it's hard to organise my thoughts when I like something this much. I have absolutely no complaints about this whatsoever. Nothing I say about Tokusatsu ga 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 in this episode is going to be negative at all. It's all going to be gushing, so it's hard for me to work out what to gush about next because there's so much. I've got loads of notes. Now, one thing that I like is that early on it's established uh, a recurring theme of it being perfectly fine to take messages from kids' shows as an adult. Yes. They are strangely applicable in adult situations, even if it means being honest or just putting yourself out of your comfort zone and doing the right thing. And frankly, that's a yeah. moral that people may just need every now and then as a reminder, especially because Honestly. when you become an adult, you become a lot more yes. cynical. You become Absolutely, a lot yes. more driven to your own interests, but sometimes you just need that little bit of innocence to tell you, what about that other person there? Why are they struggling? That's exactly what I was going to say. You have the power in yes. your hands to make things better for them. So do it. No, it's, it's absolutely 100% correct. Sometimes adults do need reminding of these messages for kids. Because while we know in our hearts is what we're supposed to do, pragmatically and practically, yeah, we don't do it all the time. Mm. There's a definite split between what it means to interpret these messages as a child versus when you're grown. There's a bit in um, the first episode where Nakamura is trying to explain because uh, her simp mentioned. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's got simp. This... <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's his name? Honoda, I think. Okay, what, what am I going to? Well, what else? I know. Well, she's got a co-worker who's if I call him a beta, if I call him a beta orbiter, I'll sound like an insult. Okay, she's got a co-worker who's kind of keen on her. She's got. I think it's best if we establish oh, the nothing... co-workers. There are. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with him being kind of keen on Oh, no, no, it's no, just no. The fact that he's, It's just the way in which he Well, is. he's it's not... Just... Okay, so in terms of a co-workers, there are, you know, the usual gossipy girls that she's kind of like not really work... Not friends with, but, you know, work friends kind of thing. Like, oh, hey, I got your Actually, souvenirs, just... been somewhere. Then there's the boss... Can, can I, can yeah, I just... go ahead. Can I interject that? Okay, I'm really impressed that those two were actually nice. A lesser show would have made them absolute bitches. Oh, yeah, true. They weren't completely bitchy 100% of the time. No, no, they, they were really nice. They were just nice consistently throughout the entire series. And, yeah, I'm just kind of programmed by, you know, the other shows I've seen to assume, you know, when I first watched it, I assumed that they were going to turn around and turn out to be absolute, you know... Just Rip worst. it to pieces. Basically, yeah. But no, they're just genuinely nice people throughout the whole thing. Which makes me wonder if Nakamura isn't selling her co-workers a little bit short by assuming they'd... You know, treat her worse because of what she's into. If anything, that adds more to the mental health aspect of it because it's anxiety. Exactly. Because it's worrying yeah. too much about how people think of you. And yeah, I mean that ties into the whole thing. We'll talk about it later, especially with Nakamura's mother. 
But yeah, mm. so there is that. No, this whole yeah. show is it's got layers. It's like an ogre. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there are the uh, co-workers who are gossipy, and she kind of worries about uh, not showing a power level to them. There's a manager type, can't remember him, but he has his own interests. He sneaks his own way into a life and just tries to get some details. And you no, know, he he has his own thing. Like he's aware of photography and stuff, and he has his interests. But he's not. He's a bit insensitive, but he's not unfriendly. No, he's not doing it intentionally. If anything, he just doesn't. Yeah. Really, he just kind of brushes into. He kind of blusters into situations. He kind of inserts himself. Oh yeah, he is not malicious in any way. He's just very, very full of things. Like you know, he's energetic. N- none of the characters in this are objectively evil. I'm saying evil no, rather well, than bad or problematic people because you know uh nakamura's mom she could be described as you know being the problem but she's not objectively evil true, true. and so yeah and there's... you got honoda <laughs> yes who's a dead weight absolute dead weight he contributes nothing to this show she he doesn't he, really mean that much does. to her as well does it she only no she doesn't she, think, she doesn't think about it yeah at she all. only uses him just to kind of like when she's like okay i'll test okay so we're gonna have to do some backtracking so, for those listeners, um, okay, she does what's called an ichthys. So, because she can't advertise that she's looking for friends into her kind of interest, she has to find a subtle way of disguising it. Frankly, I'm surprised this show mentioned Christian persecution in the first few centuries as um, a reference yeah. for it. And, uh, yeah, so she finds a subtle way of doing it by getting a bunch of mascot keychains and hiding a Jushu on one. Hiding among them. Among it. Exactly. And, she, you know, she's like... She just sort of shakes the bag next to him. And he's like, oh, hey, you got some cute things there. Oh, that one, that's got some weapons on it. Yeah, but that's still cute. And so she realizes that, yes, the normies won't know. If yeah, anything, he's been a tool. Only thing... Yeah. No, he, he's he's a plot device. Anything he does could be done by a different character. He's just an acquaintance. You could write him out. Yeah, you could... He's on the train with her a couple of times. He could play, replace that with any of the other office work that mm. she's with. But you know what? Yeah. Anyone else could take his place. He wants to be romantically involved with her, though, but own. that isn't the point of the show. Frankly, that's her Maybe decision. It further in the manga. Maybe it does. We'll have to wait for the translation. But frankly, in this current stage yeah, of things, in this series, it's fine. Because it's not about his interests. Okay, so what? He's, oh, no. he's, he's sweet on her. But if she doesn't reciprocate, then my man, you've got to find someone else. You know, you can't just... Oh, honest, a bit yeah, weird. you can't just stalk a lady like there's that. This one, there's this one moment of creepiness where he insists on using his camera to take the pictures. Like, oh, my man, Onodera, that's just, that's just weird. What, what are you going to do with those pictures, my man? What are you going to do with them? Yeah. He's probably a serial killer is what I'm saying. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a shrine to Nakamura. He's got a fridge full of heads. He's the only one who knows her secret. Um... He, he, he goes to a trash and takes all the receipts for Tokyo Merch. Jeez. Yeah, but he's best kept as a side character. He, he's there for good, some good comic appeal in this context. Especially when it's freaking out, like, people uh, gossiping about Nakamura having a boyfriend or something. He's like, oh, no. Just, yeah, just deal with it, man. It's just, she's just a co-worker. Yeah. You know bugger all about her outside of the workplace. Just, It's just an infatuation. For the love of God. No, that's a... Uh... That kind of thing actually happens in the uh, first season of Agretzko, actually. Hmm. There's that exact t- there's a, that exact um, dynamic 
between Retico and Haida, one of her co-workers. He really likes her, but then at the end of the first season, they kind of have a revelation where he doesn't like her. He likes this idealized version of mm. her in his mind, basically. I love the way that kind of thing is represented because that's realistic. People do get yes. these kind of crushes and often they aren't what you think they are. And that's just human no, nature. The more, you, the more you don't act on your interest in a person, the more you let it fester, the more you're at risk of having this idealized version of them that you're in love with rather than the real person that you're in love with. The more likely you are of becoming a shriveled goblin-like being who just obsesses over someone while listening what? to no, sad country on. music and getting drunk. Oh wait, that was me. As a as a goblin man myself, I resent that. Yeah. I'm not that weird. I would um I'd like to uh, provide an apology to the goblin communities listening to this. I did not want to refer to any of you as belonging to the stereotype of um covetous jealous beings filled with nothing but um hatred. I was projecting and um, for my three-foot-tall, green-skinned, pointy-eared brethren, I would like to apologise and invite you to my next party. Nah, apology <laughs> accepted. Nah. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. <laughs> so we've got the goblins on our side anyway. But if anything, this is a microcosm of us saying the human relations of this are realistic. Not everything is pursued at once. Like, obviously, if this was something yes. else, he'd be the romantic interest. But she isn't looking for romance. She's just looking for friends. She's just a geek. She doesn't need any friends. of this. She, If anything, these are thrown out as red herrings because it perfectly does so. The viewer doesn't have to decide what she wants. She just wants a mate. She has no interest in getting married at this point. She's in her mid-twenties. She just wants to enjoy life. Now, to be fair, I think Anodo wants a mate as well. Da -da, Wrong definition da -da, there, friendo. Oh. I think he needs a spray bottle. You take him to horny jail in the next season. <laughs> oh. Uh, Sorry, so, yeah, next there is... Um, you know what? Let's talk about um, Katashiro. The one co-worker who is... Um, what's hmm. the best term? Japanese I think what's the best uh, adjective to describe it? Would frumpy be a thing? Not a frumpy, but... Um, cynical. No, uh, frumpy, she scares uh, cynical. the other members. Cynical. Jaded, yes. She is... J um, Jaded. Okay, according Jaded. to the other co-workers, very plain, very serious. No one asks her anything because she is very straight to the point. She never mentions anything personally about herself. And people just, like, of course she'd be perceived as unpopular because of that. And that's solely because she is a closeted idol fan. She likes the B-Boys. And that's where the main relationship issues come from with, with Nakamura in the first few episodes. Because she perceives Nakamura, because she... Uh, this is the problem. We're going down a rabbit hole here. Nakamura kind of hides her geeky stuff by first starting with um, karaoke, with singing the Emma Jason theme song. And people are like, oh, hey, this is, um, yeah, she only knows Taku stuff. Song. And people perceive it. She only knows Taku songs. So she manages. 
Well, no, she, she manages to get away with singing it by pretending that yeah. it's a, a nostalgia choice. Like, oh, yeah, we're all... They're all they're all the same generation, pretty much. So all of them know or know yeah. of that show. They all perceive so it like, as yeah. yeah, something like that. And, and it's and like if someone were to, to do the Power the Rangers theme and just have everyone sing along with them. It's that kind of thing, and that kind of gets her some more credibility. Yeah. And the problem with that is she then seems very outgoing compared to Yoshi. Not Yoshi, <laughs> Kitashiro. Using surnames here. Yep, even to the point where she asks Kitashiro how, you know, what she what do you do in your spare time? Do you watch some stuff? And it's then revealed later on that is not the thing you say to a closeted geek. Because she thinks Nakamura is an open geek, is like, no. Don't want to spoil it like it did with my last career. That's gonna ruin it. And so she is seen as something very she's very what's the term? Withdrawn? Like Yeah. She's just Reticent. very she's stern. And I mean, I mean ost- yes, good. Although that austere. does bloom into a, f- yeah. Now that does Love bloom into a friendship later on in the series because they both have the same interest. Um, they apologize to each other. There is understanding there. But to the co-workers, yeah. Right, but Kitashira doesn't really change. She doesn't immediately become happy, bubbly and outgoing. She stays pretty much the same, which I like because she wouldn't immediately do a 180 in your personality. Because sure, Nakamura is her friend Oh yeah, even to the point where when she offers to take pictures of everyone posing, because one of the co-workers um, is leaving to marry her husband, everyone there just freezes and looks really still and scared because this one person who they are terrified of, of, (laughs) who they are terrified of, has offered to do it. And that, at the same time, it's both incredibly realistic because this character has a lot of integrity and it's comedic. This has a wonderful balance between it. It not only mm. shows you the character from from the protagonist's viewpoint, but from how she appears to the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, I've got nothing else to add to that. That's, yeah, that's a pretty good description. Um, Gitashiro is a really fun character. And they kind of, each member of Nakamura's growing friendship group has a uh, an analogy to uh, the Toku thing. So uh, Nakamura is the Red Ranger, Yoshida is her blue, Mr. Yakuza is the Yellow Ranger, and Kitashiro and her friend Miyabi are the... I think we should uh, talk about Yoshida a bit, because uh, we mentioned Kitashiro before her. Yes, we missed out. Yeah, before the the one that influences her to start making friends. The lady on the train with the Toraiga keychain on her bag. Also as an ichthys. Yes. The elder geek, who's about... I love She's like, her. What's, um... I love her so much. She appreciates <laughs> yes, a good she likes fine Toraga for his ass. She's about what? Um, nearly a decade older than Nakamura. Yeah, she's she's thirty four. She's yeah. the oldest of the bunch. Nakamura's twenty four. She's thirty four. Um, Mr. Yakuza, I think, is in his early twenties, and Kitashiro is. Mm. So there's there's a bit of a generation gap between each uh, of them. Each of them 20. has. Um, a few years between each other, they all have different perspectives, which makes it even more wholesome when they're exchanging wisdom. Like, holy hell. Mm. I just really love Yoshida. She's my favourite. She is the elder nerd. She is the one who 
encourages Nakamura to try and hook a few friends in. She encourages one co-worker to try and get into one Taku series because her favorite actor was in it when he got started. And to uh, Nakamura's perspective, she appears as the sort of commander type with a plan of how to hook them in. Like, she not only... <laughs> She not only suggests it, but she sort of has a plan for how to manipulate people. And... Uh... Oh no, she, she Yoshida has some of my favourite running gags. Like, she always carries around like a, a, a box set of yes. um, Taku DVDs to lend She always to has possible. a plan, but she never got to execute it until this part in the show. And she has an uncanny ability to influence geeks. She can just tell them what to do. She had... Um, during the later points, the rest of the group dig a hole in the sand for a photo shoot. Uh, no, she's she's a really fun character. Um, no, she's um, like I said, she occupies like the kind of not quite mentor, but she she's the eldest one. And Nakamura kind of goes to her for comfort and guidance sometimes. Um, thankfully, she's not. Yeah, you know, she has her own quirks. To her, like we mentioned, like she's always trying to get people into Tokusatsu, or she's uh, she's she's got more to her than just the blue to Nakamura's red. She's a bit more calm and relaxed, but she still has her own insecurities and hang-ups. Like, she's insecure about her age. Yeah, a lot of her friends mm. have kids. Um, before before the show starts, she was going to give up on going to hero um, shows and stuff like that because uh, she pointed out a toy that one of her friend's kids had and had to lie to explain how mm. she knew Also, it was. she's awkward as hell around children. Oh yeah, she hates kids. Well, not hate. She's she's scared of them. Is is like Captain Picard. Unfortunately for Damien, who has a bit of a puppy love mm. crush on her. We'll talk about Damien in a bit. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's yes. Thankfully, it's really nice because Yoshida has other things she wants to do with her life as well. Like she wants to take up photography. Oh yeah, all these characters are insanely fleshed is, out. They have yeah, they have their own needs things. and desires. It's not like Tokusatsu or whatever or idols is their only passion. It's something they're fond of, they're fans, but because no. they openly acknowledge they're adults and so they don't have much free time to indulge in this kind of thing. So yeah, this is really great for adults yes. to watch because they can associate as well. Like how much free time do you have to do the thing that you've liked? True, because you're on furlough free time right now because I'm on furlough. Oh, come the 15th. Hey. Um, but yeah, it's so relatable because the adult characters feel fleshed out, especially because they're female characters as well. And I feel like... Mm. I don't know, it's just, they're just so relatable regardless of gender and stuff. It's like, okay, I've got this to do, I've got that to do. One's got to stick up their ass about something. But they're just written so perfectly and so human that it's where my comparisons to Peep Show come in because their internal monologues feel like exactly something you would think in that situation. Like when Nakamura is trying to find yes. a Gashapon machine so she can get um, a Shishileo uh, Shishi <laughs> um, keychain and uh, she finds a kid staring at her and she's like, oh god, that kid's like Damien. And she ends up calling him Damien for the rest of the series. <laughs> Just so relatable. Uh. But with none of the yeah. cynicism, none of, you know, no dripping with any venom or sarcasm. It's just genuine and honest. And I don't think my British brain can comprehend that. I, I love it. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just I, just, I keep saying, it, I just, I love this show so mm. much. It's a joy to watch. 
Damien is a cute, precocious kid. Um, thankfully, the child actor who plays him is not bad. So he's he's, he's so uh, cute. I'm he not... looks like a little Japanese Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> Is he going to grow up to find, yeah, look for goblins under the bridge or something? <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, no, uh, his actor is pretty decent, and he can, yeah, when, he, when he wants to, like, in some scenes, he can do a pretty good job of acting as well. It's not like he's amazing or anything like that, but he does the job he's given, and he does it pretty damn well. Oh yeah, Damien's role to Nakamura is this child that they both say share the same interest with, but Damien's the one dispensing knowledge about things like <laughs> reality's the biggest monster, or just because they're your co-workers doesn't mean they're your friends. That yeah. kind of thing. He drops <laughs> truth yeah. bombs. That's one yeah. woke-ass kid. His third eye is wide open. Yeah, and... I think that's fantastic as part of Nakamura's journey because she then gets multiple perspectives on an issue rather than listening yes. to her own anxieties. But at the same time, it's not like he's that, you know, he's not like the kind of wise beyond their years kids. Like, oh, he no. Still, he's just a kid. He still has childish reactions <clears throat> to things. Like he thinks that <clears throat> having Nakamura call his parents and ask them to let him watch Jushouan more because they don't like him watching kids' shows too much uh, will solve his issue when really you, you a stranger can't really come into a family yeah. dynamic like that and but he doesn't understand that and thinks that she's you know she's an adult too she can fight him. him yeah man so he still has yeah. this very childish way of looking at things even if he can say some fairly profound stuff from time to time his coping mechanism for getting hyped for cram school was the most wholesome thing he'd take a longer route to it and by that he'd um take the subway to it but he would pretend that he's running along with Jushouan and sort of like he's part of the team. Well, that's really sad, though. That's really bittersweet that he has to do that to get himself motivated. Like, it's just... Yeah, he's, he's in he's in primary school. Like, our equivalent to primary school is in elementary school. He, You shouldn't have to force yourself to go to an outside-of-school school like that. I get that studying is important and all, but, you know, childhood is even more important. Yeah, true. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, it was nice that he, you know, um, watching him and Nakamura running along, imagining the their superheroes with them, That that is really sweet, seeing them bond like that. But at the same time, it's sad that a kid has to do that to get themselves through it. Hmm. You know what, after this podcast, we'll talk to the manager of Japan and ask them to change that. We'll go full carry yes. on them. Uh, hello, Shinzo Abe? Stop it. Wait, hang on. Is, is he still... Yeah, no more of that cram school thing? Why can't kids be kids? I want to talk to your manager. And the manager after <laughs> that. Take us to the emperor. <laughs> Take us to emperor Neo Heisei. <laughs> I go before the emperor oh, and no, complain. Oh, it's a Reiwa era now. Hello, Emperor Reiwa. <laughs> Actually, to be... Okay, this is a... Okay, massive tangent, dude. I'm. I was. I was. Okay. I was joking about going full Karen. I'm idly browsing through internet stuff, and I just read. A, it's like a news article. A McDonald's customer fired her gun outside the restaurant because her fries were cold. Classy. At least we're not that entitled. Anyway. <laughs> no. no. I can't remember. If it was the. It was a recent Empress of Japan was uh, one of the few non-Irish people who was fluent in Gaelic. Oh, that's cool. 
That's a yeah. I'm not. I've not got anywhere to go with that little thing. But that's just a, a thing. That's a very obscure language. Like holy hell. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that. That was it. <laughs> I don't get to bring that tidbit up very often, so I like to whenever I can. Uh, next up on our characters is Mr. Yakuza, who starts out as this kind of very stock, standard joke character. Where he's like, oh, oh, that's a big scary man. Oh wait, that that big scary man likes something pink. N- nanny, N- nanny the hell. But no, no, he when he gets an hmm. episode or like part of an episode about his backstory and kind of what he's like, it fleshes him out more. And the, the more you get to know him, the more well-rounded that aspect of him is because he's very clearly very um insecure about the fact that he's into this kind of thing because he's his thing is that he likes their equivalent of pretty cure or pre-cure oh yeah it's called love cute and it's a magical girl anime and he really likes it he is such a wholesome character and and so is his mum. yeah i love him there is not enough uh, of him in the series, to be honest. I want to see him doing more stuff with the gang. All he does is uh, do karaoke with, with them, and occasionally Nakamura pops by to just vent her feelings. But I, w- I want some focus on him. Oh, maybe he gets more in the manga. Again, this is why we need it translated. Yes. Please translate it, please. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's a really fun character. None of these characters are my least favorite, but he's one of my favorite favorites i guess i don't know it's just like his backstory about how he's you know when he was a kid he was a big kid and everyone expected him to be you know tough and strong but he's actually just a bit of a coward and a crybaby mm. and so he stopped wanting to go to school because of anxiety because of expectations put on him by his peers and he just wanted to watch um, that anime and he kind of took some lessons from that and it helped him and his mum is really supportive about it as well yeah like sure, she's not exact. Yeah, you know, she she doesn't quite understand it, but she doesn't mind it. It's just just a really nice character. I feel like I've said a lot this uh, this recording. They're they're all really nice characters. Yes, every it's character find one is. That isn't nice. They're just a geek in their own respect, and that's fine. They can just do them. They don't need to serve a specific role. I mean. Shoot, I can't remember the name of. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back. Oh no, that's it. I was gonna say Office Simp. I mean, he doesn't have to serve a role <laughs> as Nakamura's love interest. Not at all. I mean, even like they even hinted at a semi love interest kind of thing with the guy who comes around to fix the uh, copier, and she invited him oh, out to that. do a thing. People thought, oh, he's good. She's gonna take him on a date. It's like, no, she just wants him to recreate a few poses because <laughs> he reminds her of um, Shishileo's actor. The funny thing is that he's dead into it, though. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I think he's a bit crushing on her as well, isn't he? Oh no, no. As soon after she asks him to do that, he starts crushing on her more. Aww. Because they've got these little little swoon sound effects. Yeah. And after, yeah, they're about, they're about kind of normal size. Yeah, they're both around the same size. But as soon as she asks him to do that, and he just starts swooning a bit more. Man's got good taste. This series is incredibly cute and has some wonderful character interactions. Rounding off the uh, the core team, I guess, is Mia B, who gets barely any focus, I guess. She's in a few episodes, and it, 
she, she's Kitashiro's friend, and they, they're both mm. into idols, and they had a bit of a falling out before the series started, because Miyabi accidentally outed Kitashiro to her co Yeah. That's part of her backstory. She was initially there. As... Her thing is that mm. she's young. Miyabi's whole shtick is that she's 20. and She's allowed to get off with this kind of thing. The others. Maybe she gets more to do in the manga, but um, in the show, not that she's particularly bad. She's a fun character, and she has a neat dynamic with the others, being the youngest of them. She doesn't get much focus herself. She's just there to back up Kitashiro's character. Oh, yeah. She serves her role in the plot. She was initially there to um, illustrate Kitashiro's, I guess, collapse into becoming very withdrawn. Although, when they become friends again, it's quite nice because there's the younger character there to um, be the other generation for wisdom to be given on, so that she doesn't have to have the same mistakes that Nakamura suffered, like asking someone, what did they do in the weekend? What did you do yesterday? That kind of thing. How, just so, Where did yeah, they go? don't accidentally... Oh, isn't, isn't sleeping all day a waste of mm. time? Oh, he went to the beach. Did you bring us some, you know, all, all that kind of cascade? Yeah. And, kind of... Yeah. How to avoid the social yeah, minefield. How to articulate how much how I love How to hide this. your power level. See, as someone on the uh, on, on the autism spectrum, it's it's fun to see that kind of thing. Like they're not none of the character explicitly or even implicitly like that, but it's 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 fun to see something similar being portrayed. Because yeah, I kind of do have to worry about those kinds of things. I do have to plan out these kinds of social interactions in advance to kind of make them go smoothly. Mm. Even though the show's about a tokusatsu fan, it can apply to any fandom, any different type of person. It's so oh, yeah. relatable. Oh, you, if, you wanted, if you wanted to, you could take this as a metaphor for anything you wanted, basically. You could take it as a metaphor for being homosexual if you wanted to, you know? Frankly, I was thinking... Okay, I was thinking, like, how would this work in the West? It wouldn't unless it was one of two things. One, it would be a period piece, like, back in the 80s of some stereotypical nerds about Dungeons and Dragons or some crap. Or... What's up, dweebs? Yeah, and, you know, they'd have to avoid bullies hanging them by their underwear on a flagpole or something. Or... Oh, no. Dutch and Chad are going <laughs> to give us swirlies. <laughs> or, uh. or it would be something that has to be taken dead seriously. So they'd make it about being a closet LGBTQ+, something like that. And so that not so much that, you know, your co-workers would take the piss, but um, the implications would be that you get lynched or something. That's how it, it would have to be something yeah. dark in the West. Any humor would have to be cynical. It would not do to... Like, as a Netflix series, you'd probably see someone... No one would have Yeah, you'd time. see someone trying to kill themselves or something in a Netflix adaptation. It would not make it well in the West. Well, no, everyone would pretend that it was some masterpiece that you're meant to like, but no one would have a good time watching it. Oh, yeah. Whereas I had a really good time watching this. Oh, yeah. Again, this is why metaphors can be so useful, because you can make these stories that would otherwise be pretty dark and make them fun and engaging by using metaphor. Now, yeah. Sure, it seems that the author's intent was literally just to do it about nerds and stuff like that and how they get along in the adult workplace. But you can, you know, you can read anything into a text you want. You know what, call me a man who's not keen on traditional story writing, but I just wanted to see a show where someone was making friends and getting to understand themselves better. I think that's a damn good experience. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, As you know, someone who values she, friendship quite yeah, a lot, I completely She had agree. karaoke that's... night with her mates and they all got to know each other better. Yeah, I value friendship a lot above loads of other things. So this kind of show is really great because I place a lot of emphasis on my friends and 
how important they are to me, and I like seeing that reflected in a show. I like seeing. Aww. It's not like I like you or anything, Barker. <laughs> Does that date me as well? <laughs> yeah. Come no. on Sunday. <laughs> uh, no, it's just really it's just, it's a dang old good time. Uh, anyone can enjoy this. Yeah, it's yes, pretty clearly for Tokusatsu fans first. Oh yeah, but even then, with the narration and even seeing any in the subs, it explains every aspect of Tokusatsu that's referenced, so that someone can understand it. So that this can be seen by anyone, and they could get it because they probably know someone who has this kind of niche interest or is aware of it, and it's done in a way that's completely relatable. Even if you were to show this to the most white bread, milk toast person, they would still 100% understand it because they would have an idea of what it means to have a niche interest that people won't quite understand. Now, depending on the culture of the person, they may not see it the same way as in Japan. So if you're a, a closet taku geek, then maybe, yeah, you might get some flack, but they could still kind of understand it, understand the risks of um, being open with it, and they kind of see the humour in the attempts to disguise it, even when it's something as simple as what well, ordering a Happy Meal, just so they can <laughs> get the um, specific taco-related uh, toy that comes with it. Yeah, no, it's you can enjoy this on any kind of level. You can enjoy it on, a, on the surface of just a kind of sitcom type thing. Or you can go a little bit deeper and enjoy the more, you know, interpersonal side of things. Show this to someone who isn't into Toku, even if it's just mm. like a gateway or something, or just if they are interested in Japanese TV shows, because it's good. It's only seven episodes long in this current form, but it's good. It's wholesome. It's entertaining. It's funny. It genuinely had me cackling at several points, especially <laughs> with the Damien scene, because she constantly refers to the kid as Damien throughout. He's like, please stop calling me Damien. He doesn't know how what it means, but God, the cultural significance. Like, if you were to he call a kid Damien, out... that's a creepy kid. He keeps pointing out that she shouldn't offer him sweets and toys and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah! <laughs> Lady, stop offering me candy. <laughs> He's the straight man in all of this. Yes. Oh, man. And the, the last major character we should talk about is probably the most complex of the lot, and that's Nakamura's mum. Oh, yes, the villain of the show. I didn't By want to default, say the character yes. was objectively evil, but she is the bad guy. She is the source... Of all of Nakamura's problems, she is the source of her inability to be open about her hobbies for fear of being, um, I guess, treated as an outsider. Fear of expressing other than the norm, of you know, trying to behave normal and girly. Hmm. Nakamura's mum is... she's overbearing, she's quite entitled, I think, a lot of the time, and she's incredibly manipulative, but she's not actively malevolent or malicious with any of it she's she's all these bad things but she still in her own way loves her children but just in a very cloying and overbearing way i think she... it's implied that she's following in her own mother's footsteps and especially because it was mentioned by nakamura's brother that um um she divorced while the kids were young she was trying to get them 
I guess, groomed for a specific role? She, I, I read it as her kind of overcompensating once the dad mm. was no longer around. She was she was having to um, be the role of both parents and had to kind of overcompensate. And her way of doing that was by trying... There's this bit where Nakamura, Babi Nakamura, is playing with her brother's... Or maybe not her brother's toys, but she's playing with two monster toys, basically. And then her mum comes in and you know, takes the toys away from her. And, oh, wouldn't you rather play with this? And gives her a brand new doll to play with. Mm. And so I, I read it as her mum trying to give her kids the best kind of upbringing, the best way she knew how, which unfortunately was incredibly stereotypical and traditional. So Nakamura could only play with dolls and that kind of thing, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Especially when if she, um... she wasn't playing with, if she wasn't playing with a doll, then she, you know, she must be failing in some regard. You know, she was playing with mm. something that wasn't girly. Clearly, she needs to go out and buy her a girly toy because that wouldn't do for her to be playing with a non-girly thing. Especially the um, backpack scene where she yes. and her mates, so each one's from a different generation, are saying what it was like for choosing a backpack as a kid because back in the old days so oh, there's my microphone again dear lordy so um you know when you were back in the olden days when you were a boy you'd get black and you're a girl you'd get red and it was only at the start of nakamura's childhood when you could choose and she wanted a black one but her mother was very traditionalist and said oh go on you'll have a red one it's very would you rather have a red one mm. and um, you're a girl i love the fact that um she <clears throat> what's the best way of putting it it affects her interactions with the rest of the world, like the one time that she's finally comfortable in getting a kid's meal with a boy's toy because, you know, she likes it. And then she sees a kid interested in that toy's one. She chooses it. And, you know, she's secretly rooting on her getting it, even though the parents like, no. And I find that that kind of, I guess it's a good mental health analogy where yes. you carry the weight of your parents' problems, and so she's carrying the same ones onto her, but she also wants to be the hero that she needed in her life when she was a kid to that girl. Hmm. Yes. Nakamura has a lot of personal trauma going on. Nothing too horrible or anything like that, but she definitely has some trauma. Oh, yeah. if this were the West, you know, it would be some like seriously messed up trauma, like having empty whiskey bottles chucked at her or something. Yeah, that's because the West sucks when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's have some levity, goddammit. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, so she's still got some understandable and you know valid, but not massively debilitating trauma going on. Um, but she mm. doesn't let it bog her down. She doesn't let it define her. And yeah, she's she she doesn't start the series as this broken husk of a woman who needs fixing by her friends to learn to live in society now. Like she's fine to begin with. Like she doesn't even she mm. do, she's not even particularly bad off at the beginning of the show. She just wants a little bit more in her life, like friends. So it's not like she, she just learns to be better. Yeah, but but it's not like she's particularly bad to begin with. So it's it's just nice to see oh, yeah. that yeah a, a good representation of someone with mental health issues who isn't some kind of alcoholic to comp you know to compensate for it or anything like that. She just naturally feels the inclination to go out of her way to try and help people in similar situations to she to the ones she was in hmm. yeah not everyone is some hollywood tv show movie depressive 
drunk or anything like that. Some people are just normal people who have a few hang-ups. That's just how it be in real life. You know, um, Nakamura's mum, a recurring thing is her kind of inserting her into her life. You know, uh, she'll at the beginning of the uh, show, she comes for a surprise visit and takes um, the spare key from Nakamura. And then that kind of comes back around full circle at the end where she's gone into her apartment and seen Holotoku stuff. Mm. Uh, it's the shopping scene as well, in particular. Yes, where she's insisting, oh, where she turns on the waterworks to kind of get her way. It's just, like, I can't relate to any of this because my mum's really good. I, I bloody love my mum. She's fantastic. She's the best person ever. And she doesn't yeah, do any well, of this you know, stuff. I've got the opposite. My mum cries when I don't um, wear the dresses that she buys. Well, look, that's because you look so cute in them, all right? I'd cry as well if you didn't wear them. Thankfully, though, you're a good boy, and you always yeah, turn up to recording sessions in a nice little pretty pinafore. <laughs> Why do uh, I feel like I'm the first person outside of the 70s to say the word pinafore? Yeah, that's a, that's a very specific type of dress, my friendo. Don't read too much That being that. said, you know, dre- to anyone who's listening, seriously, dress how you like, my guys. Oh, yeah. Gender is just a social construct, although whoever wears a pinafore, dig God, they- well, that's like the worst kind of dress. That's the least flattering for any figure. I like wearing punches. My God, and white I mean, shirts. that's like, it's like the, the wall. My man, I'm going to introduce you to the world of knee length rainbow socks. They will blow your mind. Socks in colour? What the hell? What debauchery is this? There's a war on, damn it. <laughs> Back in my day, they were white and worn by Scotsmen. Uh, back in my day, socks were beige and we liked it. <laughs> oh, when I were a wheezy whippersnapper, the only socks I had were me brothers. And he got them from me dad. This is this is the weirdest straw man we've ever created. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Um, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. Nakamura, what are we talking about? Nakamura's overbearing Shoot. mother. So yes, she insists yes. on dressing her up in, in cute, frilly, girly pink clothes, despite the fact that Nakamura prefers browns and blacks and stuff like that because they're comfier and easier to wear. She wants to just be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's. But Nakamura's mum, like I said, isn't evil or particularly bad. She just. She has her own hang ups as well. It's just that she's dealing with them worse than her daughter is. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nakamura can. She imagines her as the. Um... Toku villain. And, you know, it does make sense from that perspective because she's the one who's going to tear down her the confidence that she's gained over this period. That's really sad. I can't relate to that at yeah. all. Like I said, I bloody love my mum. I can't imagine her as a, as a villain at all. So that's one... Like, I can understand the show, but I just... I love my mum. Hmm. If there, if there are two things that some listeners should get from the show... It's that um, Tokusatsu Gaga Ga is wholesome and uh, has a nice realistic view of character development, and that Kamen Ranger loves his mum. Yeah, she's a really good, really good lady. Aww, she is. She's lovely. If you're listening, you're lovely. Um, yeah, Nakamura's mum, on the other hand, though, I just, just, I really don't like how manipulative she can be. I don't know how intentional she is with it. Hmm. Um, um, and so, spoilers ahoy. Um, it gets to the point where Nakamura just disowns her because she's gone too far she's that's because her mum slaps her in a restaurant for uh you know keeping taco toys in her apartment yeah i mean you'd i i'd I'd flip a table and just yeet her through a window you know what nakamura did which was slapping her back and saying you're dead to me was you know the most muted of responses yeah 
but it ends with them kind of getting to the point where they can start to reconcile, which I'm not sure is the direction I would have taken it in, but it's not a bad direction to take it in. Nakamura yeah. starts to understand a little bit how her mother felt, but that that's only that's only okay up until the point you realize that Nakamura is still in the right here. She shouldn't be the one extending mm. the olive branch. She's the wronged party here. No matter how much she may have rejected what her mum liked as a kid, it was still her mum trying to force things onto her. And was like, oh, do you want this this fluffy toy? Not what would you like? Not, yeah, she was more, you will like this, not what would you like? I'm, I'm going to offer a counterpoint here. So when I was midway through the last episode, which was shortly before we started recording, I... I was very much worried that it was it would end with them, you know, burying the hatchet together and continuing being a, a mother and daughter combo. But then it turned in. Then I was really happy that it turned into one of two things, which was one, um, Nakamura being happy and continuing without her mother's influence, or two, them starting the very long, arduous path. Of recovering the relationship. Yes. Which, you know, because with her mum's case, she even texted her brother like, oh, don't worry about little old me, that kind of thing, being very manipulative. Yes. But Nakamura started the path to resolving the problems between them, you know, with something nice and slow. It yes. started very slowly, just coming around, small talk, something basic, not tackling the big issues, but starting from the bottom and then implying this little work up from there. They've, this isn't like a Hallmark film kind of resolution. No, they've gotten to the point where they can start interacting with each other on an even playing field now. So they've mm. not they've not they've they've not even laid the groundwork yet. They've gotten to the point where all they can go is up, basically. Yes. But no, there's like I said, there's a lot of levels you can you can appreciate this this series on. You can appreciate it as just a base comedy. Um, something about nerdy stuff or something about dealing with childhood trauma. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details, but there is stuff in her past where she's learned kind of trust issues or she's learned to not express oh, herself so Oh, yes. Much. There yeah, are so many aspects dark. of this show we haven't even mentioned. It's seven episodes, 45 minutes long, so five and a bit hours. It's worth a watch. I'd recommend watching it paced, but... There are so many wonderful scenes. Some make you laugh, some make you go ah, some make you cry. Mm. They are wonderfully written. I'm impressed at how well made they are. I mean, the subtitling is great. Fantastic work to the fan subbing group that uh, did this. But a lot of the themes go beyond cultural boundaries. Yes. Anyone can read into... Like like I said, you you could take this as like a as it was written as a geek kind of trying to survive in, in an adult world, or you could take it as a, a metaphor for any number of things. Definitely. Definitely. It can work as a euphemism for a lot of things, even if it's just mental health, even if, yes. it, even if it's just anxiety, even if it's just being too concerned about what people think of you. I've said it a million times during this episode, and I'll say it again, I love this show. It's a very... It's very near and dear to me, uh, and I've been wanting to get you to watch it for an episode at least for ages, and I'm glad you finally watched it. Yeah, I really I'm appreciate it. Of, um, yeah, I I just highly recommend this show. You will watch it and you'll love it. It's mm. wonderful. It's an eye-opener. It really just... It's human. It's, yeah. I can't really put a sentence together. It's human, but it's not 
dark or cynical or sarcastic. And it's, it's not it's not even sickly beautiful. sweet or anything like that. It's just got a very nice it's it's very very measured and moderate in all aspects of it. Not just the point where it's milk toast, but just to the point where it's it's palatable in every single situation you find yourself in with this show. It's just wonderful. You got it's just nice. You, you can even if you're not engaging with it on any of these metaphorical or thematic levels, you can just watch these women be friends with each other. Hmm. It just makes you so happy. I'm not yeah. used to women being so well written, so consistently. I'm. I'm. Conv- I, like I said, I don't know the um, the gender of the author because I just can't find out. I'd. I'd. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the author of the manga was a woman because this is all just very nicely done. I've not. Come across, yeah, it's not often you come across them so well written as a group. There's no, there's none of the. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that there's none of the common pitfalls you usually get into with these kinds of group dynamics. I think it's only the um, office co-workers that fail the Bechdel test. Yeah, but the Bechdel test wasn't even meant to be taken seriously, though. That was a joke from this author. Oh yeah, true. The joke being that if you use that as a metric for judging things quality, you'll never enjoy anything. Mm. But no, it's it's just. But at the same time, though, it doesn't avoid them completely. It doesn't go the opposite direction because you still get some gossipy women in the workplace as well, just like you do in real life. But not all of them mm. are, is is the point I'm trying to say. It's just <clears throat> it's fun. I like it. It's, it's good. It it makes my brain feel happy. Yes. It. I don't need to take it, my meds. It, I've got Takasatsu Ga Ga Ga. It's just so genuine. And you, again, because we're British, we end up watching it and expecting the worst. But no, none of the jokes are cruel. It's just so genuine. There are some awkward scenes, but they're still relatable. And they don't have the worst ending kind of thing that Peep Show has. With, you know, (laughs) eating a dead dog out of a bag, that kind of thing. (laughs) You don't get someone pretending to have facial spasms during a job interview. or Yeah. You don't have someone blacking up to have sex. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know what? You know what the series needs? It needs a super hands. <laughs> yeah, well, this crap I, is really just... boorish. Yeah, you know what? Let's let's get Matt King in. We'll take him I, to Japan. That, I want that's a drug addled. Improve the show. I want a drug-addled Matt King character taking a lot of drugs and just getting stoned watching Taku with the gang. And the best part is he responds completely in English and he doesn't speak a word of Japanese. No one understands him and he doesn't understand anyone, but he's still friends with them. What are you doing in my apartment? There's, I went into doing this episode with a buttload of notes and everything like that and loads of things I wanted to talk about. In the end, I just ended up gushing, and to be honest, if I went into all my notes, nothing would be left to surprise. Like you'd know, you wouldn't go into an episode like, "Oh, I don't know what's going to happen now." Obviously, everything's going to turn out all right. It's that kind of show. It's not got a second season or anything like that, so it's, there's no suspense to cultivate. But you know, I think it's best not to give out too many specifics of how situations are resolved. Hey, you know what? Even if this doesn't get a second season, I think it's nice because of a lot of a lot of the closures implied, especially yeah. with her mother. It doesn't end with um, them getting back together again, but more them maybe potentially doing it slowly over the course of time and understanding yeah. each other. It's like a genuine human relationship. You yeah, can't just realistic. finish it and be like, everyone's happy now. 
I feel like if I go on anymore, I'm just going to be repeating the same things over and over and over again. So I'm just going to, um, if it's all right with you, Rex. Yeah, yeah. Rex's yeah. macro review of Tokusatsu Ga Ga Ga. Watch it. That's <laughs> good. Yeah. So, yeah, no. Um, all I can say is I love Tokusatsu Ga 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 Ga. I have no idea how many times I've said that throughout this episode, but it's true. And you should all watch it. And if you don't, I'll personally hold you accountable at the end of days.